Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. The year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. This week, the Black Hole. In the year 2012, Disney decided they want a bite of that Star Wars pie. But had they ever tried before? So, today's Black Hole sort of like the kid that's outside the house and getting grandma's pie off the windowsill. That's yeah. the black hole. Is it? I feel like it's, it's just not discussed at all. Yeah. It's pretty forgotten. Like if you think about this at all, it's usually 20,000 leagues under a sea, but in, in space, but like yeah. I watched it this morning for this. And I think I'd seen it once on TV as a kid. And between those two events, I forgot it existed. <laughs> <laughs> that tends to happen, but uh, I guess we should get to introductions. Uh, this is Matt. This is Luke. This is our... This... You go ahead, you can do that. This is Andrew. Th- that's Andrew. I was going to give you an intro. I was going to build you up. I was going to say... Dude. I was going to say, today we have a guest. In our sci-fi sanctuary. In our sci-fi sanctuary. So, uh, yes, yes, he is the... Um, the ringleader of the Gonzorific Underground Film Collective, doing feminist and bizarro film. He's a writer for the Athens Bannered Herald's uh, film stuff. Does a podcast for them, and that's film, a cinemaphile. That's the name, right? Yep. Okay, I thought that's so. the name. And yeah, my I made space boobs in space. He made space boobs in space, which is um, approved by Wesley Crusher. This is uh, Andrew Shearer here. That's right. That was that was kind of wild that that happened. I forgot about that. That's true. He liked it, so there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a, a, a upvote from Will Wheaton, which uh, that that's the thing where I actually I think that's where I noted the film on the radar uh, with the space boobs. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Check that out. That's a, that's some pretty bizarre sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, I would say. With, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I've been scoring your movies for a while. On that one, I like accident. I've been accidentally scoring your movies for several years now. I think. <laughs> no, it's trust me. It's been. I don't know what I would do without your contributions. But I just on a personal note, have, it's great to be able to work with you in any capacity still for this long. So I, I would. I hope that you. I'll be making movies as long as you're making music. We'll say that. <laughs> Groovy. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, on this podcast, when I say I run across the street to, to watch the film, I'm too young to see at my friend's house or I'm telling bizarre punk rock stories. It uh, usually includes this guy. Yeah. Okay. So I did, he's not making this up. I, I sign off on everything he said. <laughs> I, well, I've only had the pleasure of watching myself, Psycho Vixens, and was Andrew involved in... What was the Terminator one you showed me? Got the time, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So I've only seen the ones which Matt physically appears in so far. <laughs> I, 
I think he was testing you. <laughs> no, I test people with Psycho Vixens. You can't be friends with me unless you're willing to get through Psycho Vixens. <laughs> I, there, this is, it's not, it has nothing to do with sci-fi, but there is a shot that begins on a piece of dog shit and pans up to Matt's face. It's one of my proudest moments in cinema. <laughs> Nice little, yeah, nice comparison shot. But uh, today we're doing the black hole, so um, let's get into a little bit how we got into it. Uh, so you're saying you just watched it on video. This is to Luke. You watched it on video. And, uh... I think I might even literally have watched it on terrestrial TV. Yeah. Um, my, when I watched it, like my dad was like, oh, I watched this as a kid. I don't think he was a big fan. He was, he was literally just of the generation of kids who, like, they saw Star Wars and would go to the theaters and see anything with spaceships and robots. So... And I remember my only memory of it as a kid was the robots are cool, and then it was weird when they went in the black hole. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah, for me, um, and I'm glad we got Andrew in line here, because, okay, I first saw this. Uh, now, you remember West Coast Video. We lived on the East Coast. was the big red West Coast Video, right? Mm-hmm. What was it before that? Uh, I don't know what was the name of it before that. There was a video store in that spot. Yeah, it was a video store in that spot. It's like videos for you or something. And I got the black hole out of a, you know, I was like six or seven, got the black hole in a big clamshell case. And I don't even remember if I liked it or not. It kind of stuck in my head and then I kind of forgot about it. And every 10 years I start thinking, I should see the black hole again. And I put it on and there are a lot of, you know, I'm not disappointed I put it on, but then I'm like, okay, maybe maybe a reason to remember this quite so well. But uh, yeah, I was definitely tripping out on this uh, current one. H- how about you? I, I I know I asked you specifically to do this movie, and I'm not quite sure why, but I think there's a reason. I'm obsessed with the movie The Black Hole. Okay. I always have been. Um, yeah, it was um, – my parents didn't rent kids' movies for us. They didn't take us to see kids' movies. Uh it was only if it had something interesting for them. And uh, my dad was a horror guy, not a sci-fi. He might come back. Yep. Anthony Perkins, special effects, dark subject matter, and um, also uh, kids can (laughs) see it. And I would guess probably the deciding factor with him was also, um, this is a bomb and one of the few movies Disney had out on VHS at that time. And it was probably very cheap to That's rent. Probably it. where I ended up with <laughs> that it. was yeah. out of it. <laughs> Maybe from the same store. <laughs> but I remember that. Uh, no, it had to have been because that's that giant case. I remember it. There's something about the twisty, swirling logo, the this, the name, the black hole. Uh, it just had a darkness to it that that uh, fascinated me. And you know, the movie itself is scary and weird so it it falls in line with everything i grew up yeah. on pretty much um, looking at where this movie shows up a little bit of you know getting into the background it seems that this is kind of considered the last big studio system film at least with like effects and uh, you know large budget and stuff yeah that's true um after this point um all the special effects were done by special companies like ilm and and uh, all the other ones that popped up this was entirely in-house uh, Disney in the very yeah the very last big special effects studio movie that happened yeah and it seems um, they actually did try to hire ILM and, and so it almost accidentally ended up that way like they couldn't get help so they did it themselves <laughs> yeah I think some people were called in out of retirement to to help them out this was like all hands on deck yeah. merchandising they made lots of merchandise for this <laughs> oh god I would love some of that I just have the book. 
the hardback book. It didn't book. sell when it came out. Now, of course, it's quite valuable if you come across it. But uh, I mean, Yeah, I would buy a big plastic Vincent if I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> Even better, a Maximilian. Oh, yeah, that'd be pretty hip. With with, with the feller inside, with the, the other Maximilian side? Two Maximilians? Uh, yeah, they could make that. <laughs> <laughs> Just make a good kitchen appliance with those little spinny things, you know, get your lettuce there in you order. Go. Murder your lettuce, that sounds like fun. <laughs> I used to have a Doctor Doom, and you open it up, and you have the fucked up little dude inside it. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, who else? We, uh, we'll, we'll get to the actors in a bit, but uh, the music's John Barry, who did some James Bond. Um, that's where I know the name from. That's where you know the name. Uh, this, this, along with Star Trek The Motion Picture, is the last Hollywood productions that featured overtures. That's right. The very beginning of it had that right. great overture. Uh, I've heard I've heard the score described as overbearing. Yeah, it kind of is overbearing. <laughs> oh, I should punch myself for saying that. <laughs> it did that thing, which I guess, yeah, is also true of James Bond, so it makes sense. It had one theme, and it used it every four minutes. <laughs> Well, I made some notes when I was making my notes. Like sometimes it was quite effective, but other times you're like, "Oh my god!" So maybe you should have written a yeah. few more themes. I don't know. God, what a theme, though! It's terrifying. I find. I think it sounds really. It's it's so it's so epic that it's I think scary. I don't know what it is about it, but it's perfect. It's monster to me. movie music. Yeah, a little bit. It's just that, da, 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 you know, that swooping high string sound. It just it borderlines from from operatic to I don't know, just just really. It's kind of what I you called out in King Kong, right? But yeah, yeah the, like, they're the putting them, like is Mac, is this a monster movie with Max Mulan? <laughs> Not quite, but I mean, but, if there's a monster, it's just the black hole, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a secret monster. It's not a monster movie at all. I'm just saying that. But <laughs> I know. Sometimes I just let you hang yourself. <laughs> I just give you enough rope to. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, it depends on your point of view. I called uh, Faster Pussycat Kill Kill a uh, monster movie at one point in time. That uh, Tour Satana's character was like the Godzilla. <laughs> you know. But is it sci-fi? Sorry, we were we were trying to talk. What um, oh. Jojo Rabbit, the movie you were saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah we were like. If he goes back in time, we encounter that as sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. It's only just come out here, though. so I'm going to be catching it tonight. Oh, you'll love it. You'll love it. It's great. Um, anyway, I'll give everyone else a little more rope and do the plot for the black hole here. Before you do that, could you pass me my okay. switch? I'm just, I'm slowly turning all of my devices to airplane mode so we don't get too much interference. Oh, I got to figure out how to... Just slide it out the top. Slide it out the top. I don't understand. No, the handheld console, slide it out the top. I'm so stupid. The tablet. Oh, there you it. go. There. I thought the top was like part of the console. Yeah. I don't. I don't know about you, but I felt like once I passed age forty, I like suddenly turned into like a techno idiot. Please, please don't. No, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> yeah, like I like before that, it was okay, and then after I turned forty, suddenly like, um, I. When we did the holiday special, I did a bit with, with my buddy, right? And um, you didn't get the hour before that with us, like, not being able to use, like, five different kinds of technology. <laughs> <laughs> and then I showed him uh, the short trek, uh, The Trouble with uh, Edward. Hey, did you see that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, where he's yeah. like, oh, it's a, yeah. you know, it's broken. And, oh, oh it was broken. That, that was like us. You know, I was like, man, I, I, it was kind of sad to watch that one right after Screwing up technology for thirty minutes and then watching Edward doing the same thing. <laughs> same thing. 
<laughs> I've heard the story at work about when they bought the new laminator and it broke within a week. Was that you? That was not me. Okay, okay, okay. But well, I've seen you try and use the printers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I, I'm good with the laminator. I've taken it apart and put it back together like five times. You're not the only person who is good with the laminator. Yeah. <laughs> but the printer, not so much. Okay, anyway, the plot for The Black Hole. Spaceship Palomino is coming home after a long exploration mission. The five-person crew detects a large ship drifting outside of, but not entering, a large black hole. The mysterious ship turns out to be the long-missing USS Cygnus, whose complement included Dr. Kate McRae's father. After a rocky flight, the Palomino docks with the Cygnus, whose lights have all suddenly come on. The ship seems deserted except for what seems to be a bunch of creepy robots and Dr. Hans Reinhardt, who has been studying the black hole alone for 20 years. He now intends to fly the Cygnus safely into the black hole. The Palomino scientist, Dr. Alan Durant, seems to be into the idea, but the rest of the crew hope to repair their own ship and get off the Cygnus sooner rather than later. The crew explores the Cygnus and eventually discovers that many of the robots are zombified members of the Cygnus's crew once they peel back one of those robotic Daft Punk masks. Reinhardt has enslaved the former crew in a very disturbing way. The actual robots are led by the imposing Maximilian, who apparently is not familiar with Isomov's rules of robotics. The machine even has a hold over the already unethical Reinhardt. Once discovering the conspiracy, McCray is shuffled off to the hospital for the process. Durant finally gets past his bromance with Reinhardt and is fan-murdered by Maximilian after protesting. Meanwhile, Palomino journalist Harry Booth tries to escape with the Palomino and ends up blowing himself up while the rest of the surviving crew save McCray. The Cygnus has begun its course for the black hole, and the now shipless Palomino crew tries to leave using one of the Cygnus's probes. In a wild, incoherent specials, specials, special effects sequence, both ships are pulled into the black hole. The surviving Palomino crew turns up on the other end unscathed. Reinhardt ends up trapped in Maximilian's metal frame, standing on a mountain in hell, and they say the ending of 2001 is confusing. So, did, did we get that right? I think I got a part wrong. The whole crew doesn't save McCray. It's just the um, who saves her? The guy, and then they sort of I, right. I watched this film this morning. I can't remember anyone's name. <laughs> I mostly in the in my notes. <laughs> I mostly wrote the actors' names. Right. <laughs> I, I went through the wiki a few times, and I actually did start to get the names, but not so much from the film itself. <laughs> the only names that really stuck for me were the two robots. Yeah, yeah, Vincent and Bob. Well, and Maximilian. Oh, oh, right. Mm. Three robots. Yeah, yeah. 
No, yeah, I kind of forgot Bob. <laughs> Let's start with the, uh, uh, I think he's top build. Maximilian Schnell is top build. Is that correct? He would have been the biggest name because he had won a, uh, a lot of awards for, uh, what was the name of that movie? Julia, I think, a couple of years before. So he would have probably, yeah, he would have probably been the most decorated at the time. That blows my mind because now he's like the only one that like we don't recognize particularly. <laughs> oh, when um when I worked at Blockbuster, um the outside uh the, the the little case that they print out with the you know with the logo and everything, not the case of the movie itself, but the little like insert when you rent it and take it home, it said Black Hole Maximilian Shell, nineteen seventy nine. That's wild because it's like we also have um. Robert Forrester. I, I kept watching his film and wanted to watch Jackie Brown again. <laughs> oh yeah, no, there's there's a few because I mean, uh, you got the voices of Roddy McDowell and Slim Pickens. Uh, I don't know how big of a name uh, Yvette Mimieux was, but definitely Anthony Perkins. I think would be the one most like genre fans would know from this movie. Yeah, and like, Borgnine. Like, <laughs> of like, course, Ernest Borgnine. People still know Anthony Perkins' name, and in 1979, it was really Max Schnell. They do better. I mean, I, I'm not slagging the guy. He does. Um, one of the best sci-fi villains this side of Ricardo Montalban here, but uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't know how recent Perkins would have had any hits at the time. But, but Maximilian Schell was coming off of a, uh, a couple of big, or at least one big role I know, or a, a very critically acclaimed role. Yeah, so Anthony Perkins looked a little too old here because we think of him from Psycho. Uh, Robert Forrester looked a little too young here because we think of him from Jackie Brown, and I think <laughs> Ernest Borgnine was always the same age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <He always, laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't even know what Anthony Perkins would have been in uh, around the late seventies. Uh, uh, he was in Murder of the Orient Express, right? The the one they did in the mid seventies. Uh, I can't even tell you what else he might have been in of any note you're, at that time. You're already two steps ahead of me, so. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, you, uh, we mentioned Slim Pickens. Slim Pickens doing the uh, the the beat up robot, um, and then. Uh, Bob is Roddy McDowell. Yep. Uh, not Bob, Vincent, excuse me. Vincent is Roddy McDowell's voice, and uh, both of them went uncredited. Yeah, I wonder why. I have no idea. Well, they still like to sometimes non-credit voice roles just for the, uh, I guess, the later you know, buzz or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they might just not have had as good a union. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that might have been it. Is for voice work. It might have been the kind of thing actors just didn't, you know. Well, um, voice actors in video games still don't have a union <laughs> and get shafted all the time. Uh, video yeah. games. I, I know here in Japan they still make you know the the programmers just work insane hours. Oh, um, if anything, programmers in Japan are treated better than in other countries. Ouch! Like video game crunch is awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the most legendary voiceover story that I can think of is the woman that did the voice of the demon in The Exorcist was not credited at all on the first print of the movie and was there at the premiere and just, you know, absolutely in tears. They added it later, but they just totally forgot. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. She was just tied to a chair and fed whiskey to do the. I'm not even kidding. That's really how she did it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah, Max Millian, he's very good. I, again, I don't really know him, but he's very good here. I, I do. I kept thinking like this is you know just maybe like this like a Teutonic Khan or something. Yeah, of the of the like human characters, he's the one who like grabs your attention. He just comes short of literally chewing the scenery, especially when it's falling around him. Yeah. <laughs> well, I brought up Doctor Doom earlier. He really reminds me of Doctor Doom. Hell so. Yeah. Just that like. 
No, you don't understand. I'm the smartest person who's ever lived. <laughs> and like, <laughs> oh my! Fa- I did write down my my favorite quote, which excuse me. Oh yeah, it's time you learn about your failures and my successes, man. They should have just like painted a dick on the side of his face. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm amazed. He at any point did he talk about himself in the third person? No, that would have been too confusing because the actor's name is yeah, no, robot. Like, could they? I, I heard they had already named the robot when they hired him. Could they have not have changed the robot's name? It's confusing. Is its name not on it? Oh, is the name on it? On, I know on Vincent it was. Okay. So they might have already carved it into the robot. Maybe it was somewhere on the robot, yeah. yeah. But I was like, that's so confusing. that The actor's name is that, but the character's a different name. But then the robot has the actor's name? What? Well, I didn't pick up on the actor's name, so I was super confused when you first started saying Maximilian had top billing. Exactly. <laughs> <What> the <laughs> fucking silent robot. <laughs> No, that's the actor and the robot. Okay. And it's yeah, not, I caught him on eventually. Yeah, it's not such a common name. Yeah. Now, at one point, when they were approaching the USS Cygnus, all the lights turn on, and it would have been great to just see where the robots had sprayed out Cygnus and put Reinhardt. <laughs> that's cool. And I did make a note, like, oh, the lights just come on now, but later they're like, oh, you were doing that to be dramatic. Yes, I was. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've turned it into a cruise ship. Exactly. Um, we t- already talked about Anthony Perkins a little bit, and um, I'm just, I mean, for me, it's just like, okay, psycho, now we're in the black hole. Is there anything else we're ready to say? Yeah. No, I, who's not expecting him to be crazy, though? When he sides with the bad guy, you're like, of course Norman would side with the bad guy. But is, uh, the movie makes his siding with the bad guy seem irrational, but in reality, it's not, I mean, it's it's how they film it, right? It's like, you know, it's a direction, but, and, you know, you go on a ship, I could see where a scientist would be appealed by this guy, not catching that he's apeshit insane That's right up front. the other reason the bad guy reminded me of Doctor Doom, is this kind of felt like a Reed Richards relationship. Ah. Like, I, I felt like he could tell that he was a bit unhinged, but was there for the science. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we got, we got, uh... Anthony Perkins as a uh, as a Reed Richards. He could have look kind of. He could have been a Reed Richards in yeah. the '60s, especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Reed Reed yeah. is sometimes played as a bit of a psychopath in the comics. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, Kate McRae's actress, I, I believe, was notable in the '70s, but the name is definitely running out of my mind now. Uh, uh, the the character's name or the actress's the name? The character is Kate McRae. The actress yeah. is the actress was her name. Yvette Mamieu is her name. I she's what has she been in? I definitely I recognize the name. It's someone we don't you know have on the top of our minds anymore, but it's definitely in some stuff. Now nah, you see her name if you've got the psychotronic film guide. Uh, you run into her name every now and then, but this was definitely toward the end of her career. The movie I love that she's in is uh, Jackson County Jail. That was a uh, one of the Roger Corman uh, drive-in productions or whatever. Oh. Um, that was. It's an awesome one. Like Tommy Lee Jones, it's like one of his early ones. Um, Robert Carradine is in it. It's really good, but it was one of the Corman ones. That's the only movie I've seen her in besides The Black Hole. Uh, okay. I wonder if I bumped. I, I flipped to your psychotronic guide, so that might be where I'm having the name recognition. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird name, you know, so it kind of stands out with that X in there. <laughs> uh, Ernest Borgnine, of course, is here. And uh, he's, a, he's, I mean, this is. This is weirdly in like the middle of his career, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. Not a big Borg uh, Borg Nine guy. Okay, I, I I always notice him when he's in a movie. So because he, I think he was going through the '90s. So this would have been right in the middle. He's just kind of there in this movie, but he's doing his thing, and it's fine. What's what's the other stuff he did? 
Uh, oh, guys, and everything. He's in like half the disaster movies, I think. Oh, uh, he's Fortnite? got that look. Yeah, yeah. Dude, he was in the Wild Bunch, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Luke, had, no, we talked about this. You haven't seen Wild Bunch? With the oh, you love the Wild guns Bunch. And the blood yeah. squibs. Yeah. I haven't seen anything yeah. that doesn't have spaceships or robots in it. So. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think well, if dinosaurs. he did any other sci-fi. He had to have, though. He's all over the place. But like um, when Matt says, he looks like the sort of guy you'd see in Poseidon Adventure or something like that. Yeah, he was. Um, oh, God, and the horror movies that he's in. Uh, he's in Willard. Um, yeah, he was in the Poseidon Adventure. Oh, I like, probably I literally have seen him in that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, um, the stuff I like, I mean, like uh, The Devil's Reign, that one, he's in, he's in that. Um, God, I'm trying to think. Escape from New York. He's in. Oh God, just a, yeah, a lot of lot of like genre stuff too. But Borgnine's all over the place and doesn't age. But I'd say The Wild Bunch is maybe his famous most famous movie. But yeah, he's he's just got that Hollywood man face. And he had that fantastic mm-hmm. uh, Simpsons cameo where he's the guest celebrity host to take the um the boy. They have a different name, but the Boy Scouts down the river and ends up getting them lost and like down a waterfall or something. Oh, that's a quality. Is that the episode where they're all eating the hog, but Lisa's just licking moths off a rock? That might be the one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, kids. They'll be fine. They're just like in the woods with like, like Jason noises. Cha, 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 cha. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I think that blockbuster, which I remember, you, you, you were one of the few people, I, or Andrew being one of the few people I know that has not had the full run-through of The Simpsons. <laughs> nope, no, no. Uh, the movie does have a connection, though, to a Friday the 13th movie. It's kind of a deep cut. The, um, the, uh, the one, the Sentry robots, the, like the prototype one, um, he, that's Tom McLaughlin. He direct, he went on to direct Friday the 13th 6. <laughs> All right. Is that before the final chapter or after the new beginning? Where is that? <laughs> after the new beginning and the final chapter. Oh, this after would be... both. This is like way in the future, but not in space. Yes. <laughs> yeah, six was six was the one they filmed in Georgia. Um, you, you were it was yeah we were together for Jason Goes to Hell, right? Yes. Well, that was the we best. Gonna go... That was the best screening ever. <laughs> it was. I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but boy, we go off on wild tangents. <laughs> yeah. Just no, be, I feel comfortable doing that. That was an amazing screening. Just everyone was like, it was opening night, but people were just like screaming at the screen the entire time. <laughs> it was fantastic. It was like it was like Beatlemania for severed limbs. <laughs> Every time you tell me about watching films in America, I'm glad that's not where I grew up. <laughs> in the UK and also in Japan, people are respectfully silent during films. <laughs> you don't laugh at the jokes here. Oh, here in Japan, it's outrageous. I get weird looks if I laugh during a film. <laughs> I'm gonna get kicked I've, out of Judge Arrowhead. <laughs> yeah, no, I've I've been in like maybe one theater where I was shushed for laughing at a comedy, but it was a very highbrow comedy. We don't get shushed; we get dirty looks. <laughs> oh, I, I think sure. the dirty looks are in my head. You got dirty looks during Spider-Man when you were drunk and talking the whole way through. <laughs> I think I just made one outburst. You made a few. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, the only time I've been to films like how you describe them was at Glastonbury Festival <laughs> at the cinema tent, so those are great. I watched the 2009 Star Trek in there, and every time one of the crew turned up, the crowd would just like cheer and be like, yeah, Scotty, yeah! <laughs> oh, I would have loved that, actually. That sounds great. And at the end, when he's fighting the baddie, they're like, go on, Jim! Get him! <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to watch it. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, before we move on, one more actor. Um, I mentioned Robert Forrester. I, I think I only know him from Jackie Brown, but oh, we know him from Jackie Brown. He's so great. That... Oh, God. Robert Forrester just died last year. What a great guy. He had a – it was an interesting career. I'm a big fan of 70s movies, if anyone can't tell. Uh, that's my favorite decade of films. And he, he had his – that was his kind of career heyday. But, yeah, he had a late resurgence because of Jackie Brown. He worked super steady. Throughout the rest of his life. What what are his other uh, 70s high points? Oh, man, you're going to let me do this? Oh, dude, <laughs> what are my favorite ones that he's in? Um, Alligator. That's, like, maybe my favorite one. Uh, what was another one that he did? There was, like, uh, Medium Cool, the Haskell Wexler uh, one oh, that he directed. Okay, okay. I've seen it, or I've seen a remake, have I? It's a Criterion, so maybe. Yeah, I probably um, hit it at some point. Yeah, and he was also in one called Stunts, uh, but I, I alligators so good. No, no, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. I was just like, I was, I was so, I forgot he was in this, and I was so happy to see him when he showed up. <laughs> like yeah. I said, I was Forrest- like, oh, I want Jackie Brown again now. <laughs> no, when you when you see Forrester in this, you go like, I cannot believe he wasn't like a leading man more often, you know. Really, and 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 of course for me though, he's not old. He was also out of sight. He was in out of sight, was he? Um, Later, I want to say, uh, yeah, that was what is like late nineties or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't with some J Lo. I, I think Clooney and J Lo. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember him being in, in out of sight, but I could be wrong. I might be wrong uh, about everything was it, I just said. <laughs> he, he, <clears throat> he was in the Psycho remake, though. Oh, okay. The Van Sant version. That's an interesting connection. Hello, the, the circle is now complete. I'm telling you. <laughs> So let's get into the amazing design. My first thought is, um, we said it's in-house effects. Some of it's clunky. All of it's imaginative. Um, the star fields are really good in this. Yeah. Just like, yeah. I, we, I, you know, I just saw Rise of Skywalker. The star fields in Rise of Skywalker is, are not as cool as the ones in this. So no. I want to quickly take us back a second. The whole time you were talking about Ernest Borgnine, yeah. I thought you were talking about Robert Forrest. <laughs> 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 I just looked at IMDb. I had their names backwards. Oh, see, should have been leading man. Yeah, what he said. Yeah. Lord, I got the Hollywood guy face. I was like, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that we're putting on Forrester, it makes a little more sense. I can't believe you called me out on that. I was just like, I was like oh yeah, that handsome monk. He looks like he should be in all the action. Movies. Well, he's got the Hollywood character. I mean, Borgnine has the Hollywood character actor face. Right, 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 right. right yeah, <laughs> uh, he, he was in some action movies. He just didn't get to leave the helicopter. <laughs> he's the one trying to get off the ship like a bitch. <laughs> you go on ahead, Jan Michael Vincent. I'll stay here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the design um, with the spaceships, the Palomino is. Kind of like whatever, but the Cygnus is fantastic. Uh, I, I just think by them doing the star fields this way, it really allowed you to see uh, a lot of their the design of the Cygnus uh, that you normally wouldn't see if it were just completely black. They were able to bring it out in silhouette first, which I thought was really imposing. Oh yeah, very mysterious as they come up, which uh, lends to the again lends a bit to the uh, this is a sci-fi monster movie in a weird oblique way angle. Yeah, their Starfield literally, I think, was just a big, giant painting with holes poked in it and big lights behind it. 
very low tech. We did that. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I learned how to do it. I had a book about the making of Black Hole. <laughs> I wish I still had it. I'll see if I can find you that shot sometime. That's fun. That's how they do uh, like laser beams and stuff in cartoons as well. Yeah. When we were making our, our kid movies, uh, Andrew's father here had built like an entire train set town in detail so he could do like stop motion on it. <laughs> when we tried to do a space shot for a movie as kids, we put a bin bag over a cardboard box. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got a that's box, a, you got a bag. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great idea. That's actually very intuitive. I wouldn't have thought to do that. We just we had a blanket that already had holes in it, and we just put a light behind it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're a filmmaker here. What is your lamest special effect that worked? Oh, God. That is a really... <laughs> I know I, it's I on the spot know. question, but I mean, if it's just like in the top ten, that's probably cool. Well, I was going to say, that's the thing. In terms of lame, I can tell you the most unbelievable special effect that we did. Like the one I literally wrote and went, there's no way, and it ended up happening. Um, it was... Have, have you seen the, the, the movie Rabid, the Cronenberg movie, where the Marilyn Chambers gets turned into a vampire at one point, but her fangs are not in her mouth. They're under her arm. So like a fang comes out of under her arm and she puts her arm around her victim and sucks the blood. Uh, in this movie, um, we had a woman bitten on the ass by a vampire. Um, the movie is called lap dance at the gates of hell because she's giving a lap dance and is bit by a vampire. Um, her ass becomes a vampire. And, <laughs> You know, you would think like, well, we could do the whole, but that's been done before in another movie. And so we thought, well, let's just make her butt cheek have fangs. And um, sure enough, they glued <laughs> some fangs to this woman's butt and put some uh, some little gore around them. And we had her just, you know, stick her ass into camera. And then the person that got bit, we actually, yeah, someone made up her neck to have instead of neck bites, kind of like a cheek print. It was Unbelievable, but it works. Oshiri vampire! You need to know Oshiri. Oh. Osh Oshiri is the rear in Japan. Okay. <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah. There, there you but go. yeah, that, that was unbelievable. It worked. No, in, in Space Boobs in Space, uh, the, the prequel to that was just called Space Boobs, and I had a uh, treehouse that was supposed to lift off the ground and go out into space, and I really, um, the trick to it was we took a photograph and um, cut it out, and so what you see on the screen is a photograph, and then you have the uh, the cutout part of it. We lifted it up with the uh, popsicle sticks, and just put you know blew some smoke in front of it. And there it was. It was a, a moving photograph. I don't know. I had to have gotten that technique from listening to a commentary or reading a book, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, practical effects. Usually, when you explain, it's like a joke. You explain the joke. It sounds, you know, it's like what? Yep. <laughs> But, uh, but it, that shit works. Now, uh, just rolling back to our movie, the black hole itself is swirling water with dye, is it? Yeah. Um, that's how they did a lot of those effects, right? Um, it's just a, a tank, like a fish tank. Well, even like <clears throat> 20, 30 years later, that's how they did the Stargate, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it, yeah. I thought it actually looked really impressive in this. Yeah, a tank with some gas or some water, it makes for some cool effects. <laughs> yeah, it was about to burst, so they got like a very limited amount because it it uh it busted. So they what they had is what they had. So that swirl is repeated several times. Of course, our our real wild effects trip is in the black hole, going through heaven and hell and 
you know, try and explain that sequence. I mean, even 2001, it's like, okay, the flash, he passed through the flashy lights, now it's the over-the-Jupiter landscape thing, and, you know, here, so what happened? There's an angel flying through a cathedral, and what? <laughs> Who wants to hey, he goes through Xanadu first. Is that Xanadu? Okay. Like the, like the musical? That was the same year, I think. Olivia Newton-John, Xanadu. No? I've heard of that. Okay. I've seen it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, just, you know, by that point, like, I, yeah, it was weird. And everything looked cool, and I can't even describe what I was watching there. <laughs> I kind of like it when sci-fi takes that weird, just using, well, in this case, basically Christian imagery or, like, mythological stuff, instead of trying to, trying to do something weird and science it. Yeah, I I, I, I I say that and now can't think of other examples. But well, I'll just go on a little tangent. I, I read that um, the showing this in the UK um, when they put this in the UK, they edited out the angel flying through the cathedral. It was like too religious or something. Oh, weird. Yeah, I thought that was a weird edit because I thought they were going to like edit. I, out the, if, wow. You'd, you'd hear that story the other way around more often, right? When I or started reading, America where that would get back. No, when I started reading, I thought they were going to say like they edited out like the mountain and hell part, right? But it's like no, they edited out the angel because it wasn't secular enough or something. It was weird. Yeah, that's just, but that's bizarre because generally, whenever I hear stories about like over religious sensitivity, it's on your side of the pond. <laughs> really? <laughs> like with, well, you know, <laughs> the UK are famously pretty. I can't really think of it now. Sacrilegious about all that shit. <laughs> no, I haven't been in the States in a while. Do you still... In, in, Andrew here lives uh, out where you do see some weird billboards from time to time. Do you still get the weird billboards? Oh, man, yeah. I mean, and plus, uh, you don't even... There's no context. It'll just say in giant black, huge 10-foot-high type against yellow background, Jesus. Jesus what? <laughs> Like I need to. You gotta say it in the right kind of voice. It's just Jesus. Jesus, right? It's like, (laughs) do I need to be reminded what to yell in case I'm going to hit someone? You know. Yeah, about I can walk about five minutes uh, from my house now in Japan, and there's like a it's like a Brazilian church in a former like auto dealership, and uh, they just have a giant sign like Jesus. (laughs) They also have a bunch of like instruments right beyond their window, and sometimes this one. I wouldn't be able to. Well, no one's in. The, yeah, I know. Well, it's you know that would be breaking entering, so that's why. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, drive when I drive past, I can't help but just Jesus. Jesus. I, I imagine the billboard does that as well. well we could go a oh, little yeah. further north and visit Jesus's grave. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Jesus's grave? It's, it's somewhere in the north of Japan. Uh, oh right! He, fa- he faked his death by putting his brother on the cross and then moved to Japan. Right, yeah, yeah. But then he got Christian nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's the tale of Jesus spending several years in India learning uh, yogic techniques. So, uh, yeah, Jesus does everything in the end. Um, <laughs> I can't, I can't find anything on why that scene was cut in the UK. Maybe it has to do with the fact that it was at the height of the troubles. The troubles. I was gonna say in in the in the early uh, in the early 80s in the mid 80s UK this is big huge censorship the Mary Whitehouse stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That must have been it then, because to me it was like that was such a weird edit to make. But uh, yeah, they were just they were censor crazy on home videos at that time. Yeah, and all the Catholics and Protestants were blowing each other up. So, yep. Oh, um, in this movie, another thing that kind of bugged me about the design: why are they oxygenating such large spaces spaces in this ship? Just wide open spaces with pumped full of oxygen. That doesn't seem very practical. Maybe it's not. Uh, Maybe the oxygen no, was like kept low by some sort of gravity field. Maybe. Probably for the same reason they shout out, hey, we have gravity. So the movie doesn't have to have, you know, suits and doesn't have to keep showing them in anti-gravity. Or I, I did note that the original concept here was that the entire film would be in anti-gravity until someone considered how much that would cost. I kind of like the early shot where they like float up into the bit of gravity. That was done quite well. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's cool. And there's a bit where he like... They're, like, sat around a table, and then he, like, jumps over her head. And yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's just, like, weirdly well done. It was yeah. like, oh, that looked impressive. It came out of nowhere. Like They couldn't have pulled yeah. that off for the whole film, though. No. <laughs> no, there's a lot of parts where you can totally see the strings on the on the floating, um, on Vincent and on Bob. Um, there's other times where it was obviously shot upside down so that they didn't have to show, you know what I mean, like, wires and stuff. A lot of ways they were cheating it. Yeah, Bob. Bob is literally like C three PO. If you whap him into the uh, across the head too many times, <laughs> I, yeah, well, I, I, they they did try. Like a lot of the design, I think, is intentionally avoiding looking exactly like Star Wars. Like I think that might have been their main influence is not Star Wars. <laughs> but they want to cash in on Star Wars at the same time. Yes, um, absolutely. I, I read a, a little tale about the director of this film. Um, it didn't think bob looked beat up enough so he took a baseball bat to like the clay model and said make this <laughs> make this bob so that's what they did somehow i found bob less annoying than vincent i kind of like vincent just because he was such an asshole yeah i, yeah. I don't know i, like, I he turned up on the spaceship and decides to show off to the other robots <laughs> like, yeah, you guys are shit watch this i like say a backflip laser beam shot i i, I list him before i even knew it was roddy mcdowell who i do like but uh so i wrote you know he sounds like a cut rate anthony daniels speaking hardcore techno babble which i guess are actually half techno babble and half half uh, proverbs or something but after after the start it's mostly just the proverbs yeah and being a being a bitch to that character who we didn't even mention in our section on characters. The the kid. The kid who doesn't need to be there, as you put it. <laughs> yeah, I love how he, like they tell him to protect the ship and he instantly fails. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do anything right. <laughs> but I remember the very start of this film, I was like, this is too many characters all at once. <laughs> so like, the film made people have benefited from just cutting him out. <laughs> well, you have to have a crew on your ship, man. They already got put him in put him in sleep like they did in two thousand one. Sorry, I'm scrolling through my notes. Oh, uh, the the yeah, the disturbing zombie robots. Uh, when they first encounter one of the machine, I instantly started thinking of Doctor Fives. <laughs> That's a good comparison, actually. Is he Doctor Fives? No, Vincent yeah, Price. That's a good. I know you. I know Andrew has. I don't know who has. Yeah, yeah. There's. There's two of them. Those are actually really good. Like they're better than you think they're going to be. Yeah, the the creepiness of this film kind of makes me think of that particular strain of creepy. Is Doctor Fives actually directed by Corman? Mm, I don't think so. No. Okay. No, I don't. No, I don't. I want to say those weren't even like American. Uh, you know what I mean? 
AIP, like right? American production. Yeah, I think they were released. There, I don't think they were actually production American productions. Oh, okay, that may be the case. But anyway, it just had this weird comic book creepiness, and I felt this film sort of had that in several ways. Well, I didn't remember the twist from watching it as a kid. I didn't either. I just remembered cute robots and spaceships. <laughs> so it kind of caught me off guard, and it is pretty creepy when you see like the withered face underneath, and you find out he's like enslaved his crew. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty, that's way darker than I remember this like. Disney Star Wars knockoff. <laughs> what is their first PG film? Although now I'm like, this would probably get a PG 13. <laughs> oh, definitely. Uh, maybe not Disney, but any other company, probably, yeah. Uh, do other companies still make films? <laughs> <laughs> They're working on that. <laughs> yeah. So after this, uh, what was what was it? Was Black Cauldron their next PG? Yeah, and Black Cauldron is the one that actually had things cut out of it. Uh, for being like too creepy, <laughs> uh, too too dark and scary. Yeah, yeah, there's you can actually um, the DVD has uh, you know it's like some animatics of it. Like they got really far in the production before the I uh, I think that may have been right when the leadership changed and so the guy the new guy came in and went what the fuck. <laughs> yeah, I, I could catch up with that sometime. But yeah, I, I guess this is the first time Disney went dark. Uh, that's why they made Touchstone so they can make. Because this one, I guess they still had to be like, oh, we're kind of a Disney movie, but it's not. Yeah, no, it was. I think it was intentional to be sort of like in the disaster genre, or at least in the beginning, because it is really like a disaster movie in space. Um, but they also had to have it kind of cutesy because of Disney, and so they went with a couple of the, the with the robot designs, but also everyone was trying to get that Star Wars audience, you know. Yeah, yeah, the, the yeah, Maximilian and those guys definitely have a uh, you know imperial guard sort of Vader mm-hmm. vibe behind them. Well, I know you've only seen this film once, but um, in Attack of the Clones, they bring in the new robots, and they just straight up look like silver Maximilians. <laughs> they do. Yeah, that's a yeah. I didn't. Even, I never super thought about battle that. Battle droid, do. something like that. They're called. Maybe, maybe yeah, well, absolutely. One day I'll watch that movie again, but when I have to. <laughs> <laughs> Not before. Um, on this podcast, I, I often bitch about CGI. I'm not going to bitch about here, but up to this point, this movie had the most CGI of any movie, uh, mostly from the title sequence. I was going to say, yeah. Is that the bit? Yeah, I guess it was this, and it was Tron. So I guess I guess Disney was on the leading edge of CGIing it, maybe because they couldn't get ILM to uh, work for them. The only CG bit in the original Star Wars is the wireframe of the Death Star. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> and, um, you know, Escape from L.A.? Right. There's a bit where New they York. Have... That's New York. Which one that. comes first? New York's first. Oh, dude, sorry. There's the bit where they show, like, the CG animatic of the city. Mm-hmm. It was not CG. It was just green tape. Yeah, there was a model of tape yeah. on it. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> we may have discussed it on here before. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's the Super <laughs> Battle Dredge. Oh, okay. I can see what you're saying. He's showing me the Attack of the Clones uh, Battle Droid, which... Um, I, I think Maximilian has more of a, a, a better posture. Even more but... so in the Lego version. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't have the Which posture, I'm much though. more familiar with. <laughs> I was going to say, Sam, I'm much more familiar with the Lego version. <laughs> no, we were watching Fan Mess, and I'm like, I remember going to this castle like in Lego form, but not so much in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Let's take a shift then. Um, how about we talk about Maximilian, the, the, not the robot, the actor. And Reinhardt and his motivations, I guess that's what I'm getting on to. 
Yeah, what were those? <laughs> like, you, you, like, I, I want to go into the black hole. <laughs> but you paint out the Doctor Doom until he turns out to be a, uh, you know, lobotomizing bastard. Um, he's not really wrong. It's kind of like, ne- what? it's been so long since I've done 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. What, what was uh, Nemo's actual, like, bugaboo? What was his fatal flaw? If anyone remembers. Well, no, these these guys just they you know they're it's their disregard for for anyone else's life, disregard for everything. They're like completely driven by you know, and that's just a type, really. You know. I guess that's uh, like it's been a little while since I've actually done twenty thousand leagues under sea. I say two thousand four, twenty thousand. Nemo, I can remember. Oh, he figured out how to like get his food from the ocean bottom and make things out of it. He's got this you know dope ass submarine. He's uh he just wants to stay away from society. I, I I can't remember what's really fucked up about Nemo. <laughs> yeah, I, well, he's he, he's like on a revenge kind of a trip, mostly. Yeah, okay, just against society. Well, no, I mean his. Uh, I think his whole crew, uh, you know, has just been been eliminated, wasn't it? I think he's just got a like a kind of a, a revenge thing going on. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a while either. Yeah, I but need I, to reread and or watch that. But uh, Reinhardt but, doesn't really have any revenge. He just wants to stay there. And he'll kill no. people, not kill, but lobotomize people to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a sci-fi type, it's yeah, a sci-fi his, horror type. Definitely. In his head, like his mission is for the greater good, but he's gone, he's sort of stopped caring about day-to-day human life in the process. Yeah, I kept having, the, you know, I'm trying to rectify it with Nemo, but at the beginning you mentioned Doctor Doom, I'm like, oh, that actually makes more sense here. Yeah, <laughs> I've never thought about that, but I'm like, oh, Reinhardt is Doctor Doom. Okay, well, that makes some sense. There's loads of sci-fi's where that's the like vil- villain's motivation, but now I can't remember literally a single one. Yeah, but I guess with the uh, scientific progress subtext turning, that's not always there. Uh, I mean, maybe, like for their just like I want to discover. I mean, that's, Doctor Doom wants to rule the Earth, I guess, in the end. Yeah. But uh, I don't think. Well, Reinhardt maybe wants um, to bring his mum back originally. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe uh, like Ash from Alien, like the, the oh yeah yeah kid. yeah the uh, basically the company in all the Alien films, right? <laughs> yeah yeah, Waylon Utani. Yeah, that maybe he would be a good comparison because he's obviously you know everyone's expendable. You know, it's more it's more about the discovery about the you know while with them it's also about the the money involved. But yeah, I mean it's basically we get a surprisingly even though he's hamming his way through the movie uh, skillfully, uh, it's a surprisingly deep and impactful villain here. I mean, you know, you people can go down this road if they get too broiled up in their own obsessions. I mean, yeah, you've like Elon Musk exists. <laughs> he might, he might have, you know, he might have like humo, humo, humanoid robo slaves for all you know, making those Tesla cars. Like he could be doing like real world good with that money, but he wants to live out his Iron Man fantasies. So that's basically this guy, right? <laughs> But uh, going to the black hole is that is that an iron? I guess that's an Iron Man fantasy. Okay. <laughs> um, is there a? I guess I guess uh, saying no to the crew is is the point of no return. But there is a certain thing. What he wants to do is probably worth doing if you have the science to back it. He's just uh, he's taken some shortcuts. I guess that are well, rather if, reprehensible. If he'd been telling the truth at the start, like he had let the rest of the crew leave, it was just him and the robots, and he was going to let this crew leave as well. Like, yeah, he's a bit egomaniacal, but crack on. <laughs> <laughs> that's why that's why I'm seeing, you know, uh, Anthony Perkins, like I said, refer to the actors. Durant, Durant is totally into him until the uh, full psychopathy comes out so he can be fan-murdered. That was an awesome... That was a surprisingly, like... 
when like Max Williams was approaching, he was like, "Ah, oh, he's gonna get away," and it goes through the book, and it's like, "Oh no, he doesn't get away." He's just <laughs> getting his insides like <laughs> rotivated. That was pretty intense. In the book, that was that was that was Max Millian's treasure. Was I mean, sorry, the actor. God, damn it. why did they have to have the same names? <laughs> the Reinhardt's. That was Reinhardt's right, treasure. Right. I like to think that book was just filled with basically the contents of the uh, Time Cube website. <laughs> I you think Andrew's familiar with Time Cube. I think he is. You're your familiar with Time yeah. Cube, right? I showed you that, yeah? Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. Just endless rantings about about something. I was going to say we should explain it for the listeners, but there is no way we can explain Time Cube. It's a blog with no times on it that just goes on forever with really angry ranting about how nobody understands anything. <laughs> because you would think you exist in a one twenty-four hour day, but there's four simultaneous. I'm stopping there. Okay, <laughs> time cube. If you want to look up more. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Alex Jones right now. You need to search time cube, and it's gonna change your life. Search the time cube. <laughs> Coming to you from the Time Cube podcast. Oh, okay, there we go. We'd have to release it four <laughs> times a week. <laughs> God. So our resident psycho, he's he's not really in the wrong. He's misguided. Is that what we're saying? He's in the wrong because he turned his entire queue into fucking robot zombies. No, 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 no. <laughs> our, no, our resident psycho. That that that's uh, Durant. The he, he's the oh, right. partner. He's yeah. not a psycho in this. You no, know, he just is. I mean, Anthony Perkins. Come on, he's psycho, right? Right. Um, yeah, no, he doesn't. I don't. He doesn't even really do anything that misguided. He just wants to stay and watch the science happen. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The, mo- the movie kind of paints him as an idiot, right? Whereas in reality, he's not being that stupid because he doesn't have all the information. Watching it, I didn't even get a big like. It's just like, oh, he's made a different decision to everyone else. Mm. I didn't get like big like, oh fuck this guy vibes. What I liked again was Ernest Borgnine's, uh, Frank Bru- Henry- Harry Booth's uh, decisions to just keep running away in every other scene. That was fantastic. He runs but away. But you know, man, that's what you would do. Like I, I, in movies, the whole thing is when it, when suspense happens, it's from the person doing something idiotic and going closer. They always want to touch the thing, you know. Whereas he is, fuck it. He just wants to <laughs> run away. He runs away from the tour. He runs away yep. from the uh, non-speaking robot, and he runs away in the ship and gets himself missiled. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, he does. He dies like a hero's death. You know, he like really some self-sacrifice. I mean, that was pretty cool. What? I thought he died a bitch's death. <laughs> you think so? Maybe I maybe I read it wrong. Maybe I've always read it wrong. I thought he he tried to do it, you know, a heroic kind of a thing. No, know? I thought he was just trying to run away. That's why I got. <laughs> maybe. Well, they just they didn't catch up with him. No. Yeah. yeah. I'm leaving. I don't know. Uh, anyway, I, I, the, the the acting in that role is fine. I, I like Ernest Borgen. I like him in this movie. So <laughs> I'm just saying the character is a coward. He kind yeah. of was one of the most Disney actors in this yeah he's a little goofy and yeah <laughs> he felt like the comic relief just he didn't have any jokes we're <laughs> <laughs> going out like a bitch that's a joke <laughs> yeah. well no you need those faces in movies like this because it's a very dark film and so he's kind of like the human mirror to uh those little cute robots in a way and it's yeah. like well we need one human we need a brand we trust we need a, we need a happy face a friendly face I guess the thing that makes this movie a little weird, probably when it came out, and probably a little weird now, is this is following the 1979-era Disney School of Heroism, which basically means, like, the 50s Davy Crockett show. Well, that, yeah, I remember, like, 
apropos of nothing, suddenly the woman gets captured and he has to do a rescue. <laughs> I'm like, what, wait, where did this come from? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess how the um again and we talked the, the next scene they're like they're holding hands and like was there an angle between these two? Was that ever a thing, or do you just have to have that in a film? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, quick note: uh, her hairstyle is like that because they thought they were going to be doing a lot of uh, zero gravity shots. Mm. So it, it's kind of in that like perm fro. Yeah. So it won't go anywhere if they need to do zero. Like in the beginning stuff, zero right. g, it won't just. It, Matches. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> Made her look older than she is, I think. I think it probably did. I but really couldn't figure out how old she But there was three. a practical reason for that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she does look a little motherly to um, being the, you know, the... Um, I mean, I don't even know what I'm saying now. <laughs> uh, well, no, like, typically she would be, like, kind of like the bombshell or whatever, or the romantic lead or whatever but yeah. because of that hairstyle she's yeah a little bit well, that's <laughs> i hate a to say it's a little butched up yeah a little well, butched they, up. yeah if you're going to do the same thing today you just give her a very short haircut mm. but they didn't quite do that except for that though and except for maybe that moment where they suggest a bit of romance uh, she is a pretty ahead of her time character they i mean it's you know she's the other scientist on the ship and is basically functioning in that role well, that's why 90 percent of the movie when she suddenly needed to be rescued and everything it felt so out of nowhere because <laughs> the film had actually treated her pretty well up to then they should have made the kid be the one that got made the safe yeah but then <laughs> he would have had a point of being there. <laughs> other than just to be there too get shit on by the robot all the time. <laughs> cool <and> idiot. I think we we got your answer, Andrew. But uh, how does this film hold up these days? I mean, it's I'm still as fascinated as I've ever been. I mean, there's uh, reportedly, and I don't know, uh, there was an issue of like maybe Cinefix or Cinefantastic that was completely devoted uh, to the black hole and its special effects, and has a lot of behind the scenes photographs. I would love to have a copy of this. I was once told that they had digitized their entire library to PDF. And it was for free online at one point. I would love it. So if anyone listening has that or knows where that is or where I can get a hold of it, I would love to have that. Uh, it just, to me, yeah, as a production, is just remains amazing because Tron is the one that gets all the acclaim. Tron is the one that's seen as a historic movie. Tron is the one that did, was a success, and Disney is to this day doing sequels, and it's got an animated series. The Black Hole is just a freaking anomaly i mean it is really like the black hole of disney's production slate <laughs> it, it, it really is just like this thing that they do, they seem to not i'll put it this way um a blu-ray a blu-ray was released but it is uh, only available to disney um disney like members or whatever like disney video club members which i joined just to get it <laughs> um thinking that there would be bonus features on this thing uh, the director still lives, as far as I know. Um, and uh, on the DVD, the old DVD, there was a, like a 15, 20-minute making-of thing that interviewed a lot of the effects people and showed a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. This was nowhere on this Blu-ray. They really do not give a shit. And um, that makes it, to me, even wilder. But it is scary. A uh, movie I compare it to is Event Horizon, uh, which is definitely a horror movie. It's like Hellraiser in space, basically. <laughs> 
Uh, but the thing that fascinates me most about it is you mentioned that at the end, uh, definitely Maximilian and um, Reinhardt is inside Maximilian's uh, like they're fused together somehow and they're definitely in hell. But looking at the way the robot is put together, um, where Dr. Reinhardt's limbs would need to be, particularly his lower limbs, take a look at Maximilian the way he's built. It's not just a climb inside of it deal. Dude was like taken apart RoboCop 2 style. It had to have happened that way. And I just I think about this shit all the time. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm obsessed with the black hole. I Definitely, if you were to watch it now, fascinating, even just from a special effects standpoint. Yeah, I guess that's, again, it's the movie that everyone forgets about. And, mm-hmm. I mean, admittedly, the, the, the story for me is somewhat clunky. Like, I forget, I watch it, and the, the design is so entertainingly bewildering. Let's say that, because mo- a lot of this works really well. Um, the story definitely has some, some clunk to it. It's kind of, you know, some refied Davy Crockett and Forbidden Planet, although both of those are very entertaining, so we can't. It's it's like an anachronism. It has so much forward and so much backwards at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, that, I, I agree. In that way, it kind of reminds me of the motion picture, in the way that it was obviously made to cash in on Star Wars, but didn't actually move with the times in the way Star Wars had changed films. Mm. Like the pace and everything is still very pre-Star Wars, like a slower, older science fiction film. Yeah, I, I put in my notes that it sort of feels like they're making the big tentpole science fiction film but forgetting that anything since lost in space has been released uh, science fiction wise yeah <laughs> <laughs> like all the tech is there but like you know they're still in the lost in space mentality which is entertaining of course but yeah, i guess that's that, disney. To, but that's to me what makes it a classic is because disney is the one that did it because uh Forbidden Planet, I think uh, most people know that are fans of that film. The Disney's animation department was responsible for that ending when you actually see what the monster is. Uh, that's all Disney animation. It definitely has that look of Disney from around that time. It looks right at home in something like Fantasia. And anytime there's lasers or um, you know any sort of thing that needs to be like animated, animated in Black Hole, it looks it's totally a Disney animation style. So. It's bizarre to see it in such a horrifying movie. I did read that their lasers had lights at the end, and they kept yeah. accidentally squeezing the trigger. So on film, it kept looking like um, like the crew members like shooting each other because <laughs> they're just like nervously like doing the trigger. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you? Yeah, pew, pew, you want to play with that? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for me, it's that thing. As a film, it's at best okay, but it is a very fascinating film. And like you said, maybe you're a little obsessed, and that's cool. I can appreciate that. I definitely find it fascinating as a production. I mean, I could take a film I love, and its production probably is nowhere near as interesting as this one. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think I'm in the same place as you. This is a very interesting film and a very weird film. I'm not sure it's a good film. <laughs> but so, I, it looks amazing. It does weird things where it fits into, like, the history of film is very bizarre and unique. But there were also long periods where I was pretty bored. <laughs> <laughs> like the the IKEA crew quarters thing. Yeah. Well I remember I put it on and I was like, I'll just check the runtime before I start. I was like, oh nice, short, it's easy. But this felt twice as long as Space Odyssey did. <laughs> well it has more yeah. scenes. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the way I just, you know I would I would say it's a cult film, and that's what I'm mostly a fan of is cult films, and so it has the earmarks of that, which is it's a bomb. It was not critically well received, 
and its existence is just fairly audacious. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that definitely makes it a, a, a good... You should watch it at least once, and then ten years later you'll probably want to watch it again. So, <laughs> Or more often for some. <laughs> Um, anyway, I guess we're wrapping up a little bit. So, uh, Andrew, I know, I know you got many, many things on the cooker. You want to tell us about a few of those? Oh, well, I'll just say, um, coming to, uh, Amazon prime and this is, uh, the Amazon in Japan has, has taken some of my movies. So, uh, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for it to show up there, but Amazon UK definitely always takes them. Um, my, my latest movie coming to streaming is called bad girl Dracula. Okay. Do you have any social <laughs> medias and websites and things to plug? Oh, uh, if anyone wants to look up G O N Z O R I F F I C Gonzorific, we're on the Face Space, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, and all of them have unique content. So it's not a whole, whole lot of double posting. Um, you'll it just it depends on what you what you want to see. If you want, obviously, if you want just pictures and behind the scenes stuff, go to the Instagram. Um, I used the Twitter for a little bit of light journaling. And then the Facebook is like just kind of purely uh, for share purposes, and there's some uh, discussion on there as well. And in many of those Gonzorific films, you'll hear a lot of the same music that you do on this podcast. <laughs> yep, and thank goodness for it. There's I the latest one we did, uh, the last person on Earth. It was amazing how the music just kind of fit right, and you were pleased, as I recall, with how it turned out. Yeah, yeah, no, I got some more for you because I think you don't have the new batch, so. That'll be forthcoming very soon. Uh, well, I'll take it. And yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'll, I'll go ahead and finish that plug for myself then. Uh, the mu- I, I live at rovingsagemedia.bandcamp.com, where you can hear some of these tunes and a few of the Gonzorific soundtracks are there, I believe. Uh, Yay. Luke's got another podcast to talk about. Oh, I wasn't necessarily going to plug that because it's like plugs on plugs plug, on plugs. Plugs, plugs. Fuck it, I will. Uh, yeah, I do a Pokemon <laughs> podcast. Luke loves PKM Man on Twitter, Facebook, etc. It's literally nothing like this podcast, so you already know if you want to listen to a podcast called Luke Loves Pokemon or not. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, this one, we, we uh, Matt and Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary, finally, I, I took the time and got the YouTube rolling, so if that's the way you dig your podcast, uh, do it the way I do and just type Matt, Luke, Sci-Fi in your YouTube and it'll... Yeah, I tried it just now. It came up really quickly. So, yeah. Funnily enough, no one else is going around calling themselves Matt and Luke's Sci Fi Sanctuary. So, <laughs> we're all good. And then we're at uh, Facebook under a similar name. We're at Twitter under you have this. MLSFS pod. I still can't manage just spitting out those letters this way. <laughs> when you learn the alphabet in America, well, the song like A, B, C. Yeah. When you get to the middle, do you go. LMNOP. I do, but not now that I teach I don't in English. at work, but it wasn't until I did it at work properly I realized how fucked up it was that I learned it not hearing any of those letters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we sing it uh, L-M-N-O-P-Q, or because if you sing it like we do, like, you know, four-year-olds are going to cry. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like there's a letter called LMNOP. <laughs> 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 Very true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, Andrew, thank you for for tagging up with us today. And and your late night. It's the middle of our afternoon, but uh, 
time differences. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah I um, no, I was happy to be asked, and I hope I got some worthwhile uh, contributions to it. I yeah, I sincerely, I really like the show. I enjoy the. It's it's always exciting to see what choices that you make, and I like that it's not just based on new movies. Although I do recommend, yeah, seeing High Life. That's an excellent. It's the black hole thing is actually a part of the plot. So that's well, that, a great that, one that, that is your recommendation on air then. <laughs> yeah. Well, Matt's original idea was 70s sci-fi sanctuary. <laughs> um, so we probably would have got to black hole a bit sooner. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like yeah. how a scattershot approach, we can do pretty much anything. Yeah. We can yeah. go out for the Terminator or whatever and have a run of that. So that's fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, pre star Wars and post star Wars sci-fi are very radically different. I feel things changed yeah. uh, significantly. <laughs> and uh yeah i mean it's it's hard to do 70 sci-fi without talking about 2001 which you can't do because it's 68 so mm-hmm. we stretched out our our gum a little bit but uh no but there was a lot of really great ones you could go for logan's run silent running some of that stuff exactly <laughs> and we will be getting to those so um cool i guess we're wrapping up today so this has been matt this has been luke andrew so andrew you and also the listeners at home can please Get the fuck out of our sanctuary. going to use triple flipper and i forgot to oh well next time oh my god it's a, <laughs> a deep cut of deep cuts i think i've used it two or You've three times it into a couple episodes yeah, yeah it's yeah, in yeah. a few already god we, that we, is well the other the maddie guy um luke tricked him into using the phrase what dope too much yeah so the next project is triple flipper you know <laughs> dope was easy because i feel like it was already in his wheelhouse yeah triple flip is gonna take some work yeah it, yeah it, that was literally like my parents knew a guy and this was the 70s uh who thought that he could get that to catch on and everybody would just looked at him like fuck his triple flip you know it didn't it didn't become a thing no matter how hard he tried well we've but, taken you know, up the mission and we're, we're taking the mission <laughs> in a weird way it did become a thing yeah <laughs>